My name is Sarah Vioso. In May of 2020, I was diagnosed with glioblastoma, the most aggressive type of brain cancer known. This is my spiritual journey of completely surrendering to God's will while healing my soul through His grace. Welcome to Surviving Fear. Episode 28, Cherish. As I've gone through this, I have gotten to see how truly blessed I am and how I am have people in my life that have a struggle that seems unbearable. And it's not a contest, and I've said that before. You know, one struggle is not worse than another. This one hits me hard because this is a unique group of women that have children that suffer from cancer. Some of them have brain cancer. Some of them have bone cancer. Some of them have blood cancer. You know, I mean... There's all kinds of childhood cancers out there, and it it's something that baffles me and something I pray about, knowing that there's a reason by it, but that one's a hard one for me to process. And I know there's a reason, and I know there's a purpose, but it's one that breaks my heart. Well, and I know I'll get understanding of that when it's my turn to go to my heavenly, eternal place, but... It's hard. You know, it's one that I try to process. And I'm fortunate to have these group of moms that encourage me and guide me and give me advice on my own treatment because of what they've learned as their children go through treatment. You know, my... I've shared with you guys that my son, my younger son, Jake, had has had two different heart procedures because he had um, supraventricular tachycardia, SVT, or SVT, as we call it, which is an additional pathway in your heart. So when you're in utero, you're in your mom's um, stomach. You, I guess not in her stomach, if we want to get really technical here, you're in her uterus. And as, as you form, your heart has a bunch of different electrical pathways that cause it to beat. And then as you grow, those pathways die off. And so when you are born, you have one main electrical pathway that tells your heart to beat and it's your AV node. Well, when Jake was born, he had one, he had a rogue pathway that did not die off in utero. So essentially it would cause his heart to short circuit at times. And it would just, and it honestly, it would have to be like, it's like a perfect storm for him to go into SVT, for him to have an episode. And what SVT does, it causes your heart to short circuit. So your heart actually, instead of doing full pumps, actually quivers and it, it like so he will jump up to 
200, 220 beats a minute out of nowhere, out of sleep. It'll wake him out of sleep. And we're fortunate with Jake because Jake didn't have, um, didn't have severe reactions when he was in one. His symptoms were pretty gentle compared to others. But, you know, it's still heart. It's still your child and your heart. And even though two doors down, you know, my, my neighbor's daughter had a heart transplant when she was two. She's now amazing and 12 and feisty and just love her. She just makes me happy. She happens to be my goddaughter too. And I just love her feistiness. It makes me happy. But because of what they went through, their family were so was so key in guiding us with Jake on doctors to see. And the thing with Jake's issue or his challenge he had with his heart was it was not life-threatening. Now, over time, repeated episodes of SVT can damage his heart. So it was something that we wanted to take care of sooner than later, but they were so you know, gracious and amazing to guide us through what they have been through and, you know, kind of show us the path of how to deal in the cardio world and, you know, doctors to talk to and, you know, things to try and whatnot. And they've been phenomenal, but, you know, we were a part of when their daughter had her heart transplant. That was not easy to see and watch her decline to the point that, that she was able to get a, a new heart. And, you know, the grace that they handled it with was fantastic and very awe-inspiring to me. And the positivity that they went through their journey and continue to go through their journey with it just absolutely warms me and gave me such a great example to follow. But these kids that go through these struggles, it's, you you have to understand, I'm an adult. I'm an adult going through this, and I know I've mentioned this before. And so my brain, even though it might might have gone through a little bit of trauma through what I've been through, you know, I have a fully developed frontal lobe. You know, frontal lobes, which is your decision-making process, like those don't fully develop till you're 25 years old. Explains a lot about our kids, doesn't it? So here you have like they can like decision making and fully being able to process different situations you find yourself in does not come until you're 25. So you have these children that are diagnosed with something like cancer or whatever their struggle for is or cardiomyopathy or, you know, whatever they have, these serious illnesses, and they can't fully understand what they're going through. On top of that, if you have a teenager going through it, now you're they're being pumped full of hormones while they're trying to process, you know, this scary word called cancer or whatever disease they're fighting. You know, it's just it's a hard thing for me to process. But I know there's a purpose and I'll know of the answer and I just continue to have my faith in God. But these moms that have dealt with this and deal with this particular group of moms that deal with cancer that have wrapped their arms around me and be like, Sarah, you need to try this. This is the acupuncturist you need to try. Um, This is the diet that we're on with for our kids. And we too are a part of that diet. 
These are things that we find help. These are activities that we have found that have helped. If you have any questions, do not hesitate to ask because we will help. These are moms that have children and these are dads and families that have children that can, that don't live quote unquote normal lives. I don't want to say normal because is there really a normal life? Is there one? I don't think any of it. If you find one, let me know. I'd love to hear about it because I certainly don't live one. I didn't live one before I was diagnosed, but their lives have that. And I don't want to call it the shadow or the cloud because it sounds so negative, but they kind of have that thing in the background that they always have to deal with. And they're watching their child go through it. They're watching a child. Like it's one thing, like I, I've told you guys, I'm not a big fan of blood draws, but it's a necessity. It's a necessary evil. And I don't want to call it an evil because it helps my, you know, doctors know what my path is, but there, it's something that is required that I don't really like, but I'm an adult and I can process pain. I don't, I'm like, okay, I can deal with the pain. I can deal with it's momentary. It's momentary. There is an ending to it. It's not something I'm always going to have to deal with. These kids have to process it with brains that are not fully developed. Their mom and dad and their family members and their loved ones have to watch them go through that. And it could be excruciating. I'm watching, you know, I watched my own family go through pain when I got diagnosed and I wasn't able to be myself. And it's hard. It's hard to watch someone. It's hard to watch someone go through pain. And like, I would say, I'd rather it be me. My husband fight with me and be like, oh, he's like, I would rather, he's like, I wish I would have got diagnosed instead of you. And I'm like, and that would be very difficult for me to watch my husband or it was difficult for me to watch Jake go through that because Jake thought he was going to die every day. And that's what eventually led us to have him have surgery to, to resolve the problem of his heart because I'm watching him live in fear and every day because he could not process why this was happening to him. Even though it was not life-threatening at the time, It's that stigma. There's something wrong with my heart. He has to get hooked up to all these weird machines that he has to lay still for for 45 minutes while they take an echocardiogram of his heart. And, you know, he couldn't process it. We could process it and we could try to make it as fun and happy as we could. But, you know, they see you acting out of your normal and they get very suspicious of you. So, and this is my child that is not, was not in any grave danger. I mean, yes, the procedure was a little to me. I mean, it's, I'm sure it's very routine to the doctors, but to me, I'm like, you're, you're operating on my son's heart. You know, that's a little, you know, it's a little unnerving to say the least. And I do have faith, but you know, I am human as I repeat over and over again. And now you're watching these kids lose their hair and they don't understand if it's a cancer, some cancer treatments, they're having to have a pick line, which if you don't know what a pick line is, it's a port they put in your chest so you can directly have medication so they don't have to keep they don't have to keep poking you with needles to give you your medications and it's you know that and then you have to keep it dry and all the out you know all the different um like all the different things you have to go through when you know 
the maintenance you have to go through when your body is in this extreme position due to whatever struggle you're is what you're in and it's hard and i pray for those parents and please pray for those parents that have a child that's ill or a child that they've lost to illness and i don't want to say lost again that's just such a standard word but children that have already crossed over and are in heaven it's still it it's still painful on earth it won't be painful when we get to heaven it won't be painful for those parents when they get to heaven because they'll know their child is okay and sitting at the foot of Jesus who and they feel more love than they can imagine and i have not lost a child i haven't and so i'm not speaking from a place that i can understand what it's like to lose a child and that's why i pray so much for those that have because it's an experience i can't understand I can honestly say I, I hope I don't have to understand at some point and don't have to process at some point. I really pray I don't. But I pray for them and I pray for their well-being and for their ability to continue to love the soul that they've created, that God has created through them or has blessed them with through adoption that is in heaven waiting for their return. And it's just, but it's still, you know, dealing with that is still not easy. And I guess I'm sorry that I continue to kind of, you know, re- be repetitive on this. I just, I want, <coughs> excuse me. I want to read to you Romans eight verse 18. It says, I consider that the sufferings of this present time are as nothing compared to the glory to be revealed for us. And that might be the most comforting scripture I have ever read because I'm going to read it one more time. And it's, I consider that the sufferings of this present time are as nothing compared with the glory to be revealed for us. So it just, to me, it's powerful because God recognizes that we're suffering. He knows it. He knows that our earthly lives are hard but he makes that promise that what we're going through in this, what we're seeing cannot even begin to compare to the glory that's waiting for us, to the happiness, to the joy that is waiting for us when it's our time to go to heaven. And that leads me to the title of this. And that leads me to the title of this episode, which is cherish. So while you're here and on this earth, and as you're dealing with struggle, I challenge you to cherish. And what does cherish mean? And things that you cherish are things that reside in your heart. I would hope, and I don't think that something you can truly cherish is tangible. It's not something you can touch. Because if you're cherishing something that you can Like, and I shouldn't say that because I cherish, to me, things that I cherish are notes that I have from my grandmothers and my grandfather. I cherish those. I have a cross that hung in my grandparents' house that I have, and I cherish it. But the things that are most cherished, the things that I cherish the most in my life are things that are in my heart. And you can't buy them. And it resides within me 
and Jesus together. He knows what I cherish. He knows what means the most to me in my heart. And the things that I cherish, they take away the bitterness. And they take the anxiety away. So when I focus on what I truly cherish in my life, it's amazing how the bitterness and the anxiety just melt away when I'm focusing on those. And when you cherish something, it strengthens your faith. And so I sat down and I wrote things that I cherish. And I challenge you to do that. And it's okay if it's something that means the world to you, but be careful about that. Because that's just a thing. That's something that you can hold. And I cherish, you know, I cherish it on a very, I guess, basic level. In a sense, that's not something that resides in my heart. Like I cherish. It's because because you can make an idol of it. That's why I'm saying to be careful when you think about things that you cherish. There's some things that are special to me. Maybe that's a better word. Like I have rosary beads that my mother-in-law brought back to me from Croatia. And they're made with stones that are from her village in Croatia. And then I was able to give it to my aunt that was going to the Vatican and had it blessed by the Pope, had those rosary beads blessed by the Pope. They're very special to me. I would be very sad if something happened to those or I misplaced those. But I cherish the memory of it being those being given to me. It's that memory is not something you can touch, but it's something that makes my heart. It's something that makes my heart, you know, filled with love and joy. So I, you're going to hear, sorry, I talked about trying to record these without my kids around and I hear one going up the stairs. So if you hear footsteps, it's my older son coming home from the gym. But here's the list of the things that I created that I cherish. And I encourage you to write down yours. Because when you write those down, it's that positive reminder of you have things to be grateful for. Because I cherish these because they're things I'm grateful for. And I know some of these are people that I said you can't be tangible, but I cherish the relationship that I have with these people. So I cherish my husband. I cherish that the, and I, it's not, I want to think that I cherish the way he makes me feel. And I've cherished the love that he gives me. I cherish the relationship with my boys and my parents and my family and my friends. I cherish support I get from my friends. I cherish the love I get from them. I cherish the prayers that are being said for me by people I've never even met. I cherish my relationship with Jesus. And that is a constant work in progress, just so you know. I cherish it. But like I'm just now coming off of a time we were on vacation and I feel like I I backed off my relationship with Jesus and, I, and I'm not okay with that. I mean, I was still saying daily prayers and I was still doing some meditation, but I not to the level that I do. Like, I don't want to say I took a break from it, but I lost, I lost my focus a little bit. 
So my relationship with Jesus is a constant work in progress. Um, and I cherish my struggle. And the reason why I cherish the way my struggle makes me feel is because it, I know it has a purpose. I cherish that I learned that there's a purpose. I cherish the act of strength through joy. I cherish that we can get stronger by being joyous. And I absolutely cherish the idea in living the ability to live faith over fear. And again, it's a work in progress to keep the fear away. It is a work in progress. So I ask you to sit down and figure out what it is that you cherish. Write it down. It's powerful when you write something down. I don't know why. Well, I guess it's, I think it's because you can go back and reread. You can go back and be like, oh, this is what I was feeling on this day. And this is what I cherish. And this is a very um, living list. You'll add things to it. Things I'm like, you know what? I really appreciate that. And I cherish that this happened. I cherished the way I felt when this happened. And I think it'll be a powerful tool for you to help stay focused and help deepen your relationship with Christ. So thank you for listening. I'm Sarah Vioso, and I'll see you at the next episode of Surviving Fear. Surviving Fear is made possible by the efforts of our executive producer, JT Henderson, writer and director, Sarah Vioso, producer and editor, Kristen Walker, artistic creator, Laura Ritchie, graphic editor, Linda Lee, and musical artist and composer, Adam Vioso.